Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Nathan Wilcox, CTO of Zcash. Been looking forward to talking to Nathan for a long time. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, would you give listeners an idea and an overview of Zcash? You know, why was it created and what's the purpose of it as a cryptocurrency? Sure. So um, it is a cryptocurrency that's very similar to Bitcoin. We started with the Bitcoin code base, um, the Bitcoin core code base. And the purpose of it is to create internet money. And uh, we believe one of the key properties needed for money is to be fungible. Um, so that means, right. yeah, any two units that you get, any two coins are, there's no way to distinguish any properties about them other than their value. Yes. And we'll, we'll talk more about fungibility in a minute. It's very important. But go ahead. Okay. There's another piece there. Um, so the way we achieve fungibility is with strong privacy. And we want to bring uh, strong privacy to the blockchain with uh, what we call selective transparency in order to make it better to do like safe auditing at the user's discretion. And so we can talk about some of those features too. Yeah, let's talk about Bitcoin first. Um, I know that a lot of people thought and still think that it's anonymous, but it seems to be, uh, unfortunately, not even pseudonymous. It seems to be like one of the most trackable things there is. What's your, what's your thoughts on the current state of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies perhaps? And then... Tell me what privacy measures um, Zcash enables that uh, that help users' privacy. Okay. Um, yeah, the state of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is really interesting because it it was the first permissionless money system, and um, so that means anyone could uh, create a wallet, set up some addresses, start receiving funds, start transferring them, and so for a lot of users, I think it's kind of natural to think, oh, well, if I don't have to sign up anywhere, then this is, this is private, has good privacy. Um, it right. turns out that's not the case. And you can kind of think of it similar to, I don't know, maybe phone numbers or something where if you could get a phone number without needing to give your name at all, but then you call all of your friends all the time, you could look at the metadata of phone calls and figure out pretty quickly like what the social network is. So Bitcoin's kind of similar. You don't have to sign up, but people can see the transaction 
graphs, and so they can see relationships between the addresses and pretty quickly deduce, um, at least for some of those, which real-world entities they're related to, and then they can kind of track backwards and sort of map everything out. Um, there's a great example of this happening recently uh, leading up to the Bitcoin Cash split off of Bitcoin, um, right. where it seemed like many people were attempting to withdraw Bitcoin from Coinbase and, uh, you know, right. sleuths could see that on the blockchain. And so they could see kind of the internal operations of Coinbase. Um, Interesting. So, yeah. And actually, in my do perspective... They see, um, do they see where they were withdrawing it to or just that they were withdrawing from Coinbase in mass? Um, I didn't look into it too closely, but it seemed like they could tell roughly how many funds were being um, thawed out of cold storage um, because they had a characteristic pattern and some of these were connected to known Coinbase like deposit addresses. And so they were just inferring, oh, um, this must be Coinbase thawing cold storage, which could be easily explained by um, many users wanting to withdraw their Bitcoin so that they could uh, control their Bitcoin cash when the split occurred. Right, right, okay. Um, and there's a, another example of the lack of privacy, and I actually kind of feel like this is a, um, like a, a potential danger that Bitcoin introduced. So I think Bitcoin helped empower uh, people in many ways by giving them a permissionless financial system. But because there's kind of more insight into the transaction graph than you get with, say, cash, um, then compliance departments have come to rely on that, like at exchanges. So the I actually think like the um, the privacy you get through uh, regulation compliance at exchanges is worse than it has been for like the traditional banking system in some ways. Um, so well, you know why is that? I've I've heard, for instance, like um, Coinbase was alleged to uh, track Bitcoin. Uh, withdrawals five hops out or you know money coming into this exchange five hops out and shutting down accounts whether if they deemed that it was you know bitcoin had gone through uh enlisted channels yeah yeah i think that's the kind of thing that's going on um and you know i think that can be like used well for regulation but it can also be used really poorly and uh it definitely um is like degrading the privacy of users. Um, so one reason that could be a big problem is that within hops, you know, I don't know how many hops matters or counts once you get past one, uh, you end up sweeping up a lot of innocent folks who have nothing to do with uh, tainted coins. Um, right. They just happen to be a few hops away, you know. Like I've heard... Um, folklore i don't know if it's true but like some fraction of every u.s dollar bill has cocaine on it you know right, i don't know I if heard that's true, true but 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 if you just had a rule that like if there's any trace of cocaine on a dollar then you uh suspend someone's account when they deposit into a bank um that's obviously gonna <laughs> sweep up a lot of innocent people so i think there's a danger there and so i i think we could be doing that kind of regulation um, in a smarter way, and that's the kind of thing we want to enable with Zcash. So tell me what. So that's how Zcash was conceived. Why it was conceived? 
So what are some of the features or elements of Zcash that help enable fungibility and privacy? Right. So the the, the core feature is um, built on a kind of technology called um, ZK Snarks, um, which is a a new a new cryptographic tool that's just recently become practical to use in real applications. And uh, Zcash might be one of the first um, real-world applications. And what this technology lets us do on the Zcash blockchain is we have something called shielded transfers. Uh, those are um, within transactions, and they allow transferring funds uh, from someone, uh, sorry, from an address to a recipient address. But neither of those addresses nor the amount are visible on the blockchain. Um, okay. And so the zero knowledge proving technology allows fully validating nodes to verify that's true without seeing the details. Can you talk about how that's possible without getting too technical? So without getting too technical, a zero-knowledge proof allows um, a prover who knows some secret values to generate a proof that you can kind of think of like a signature. So it's a short, opaque string. And then anyone else can verify that proof string. And what they learn when they do that is that there is some relationship between those secret inputs that holds. Um, so for example, the input amounts are not greater than the output amounts in a transfer and a transaction. Um, so they can verify that that statement is true without knowing the actual input amounts or output amounts. I don't know if this is semantics, but what's the difference between zero knowledge proofs and ZK snarks? Um, ZK snark is a particular kind of zero knowledge proof. So yeah, you could think of zero knowledge proving as a general technique. It's saying zero knowledge proving to me sounds sort of like um, public key cryptography. It's just kind of a general technique. And then there's many specific things. So you can have like RSA or uh, ECDSA, and, and uh, these are specific examples. So ZK Snark is a specific kind of zero knowledge proving technology. Yeah, I thought ZK was like Zuko, you know, and there was some other kind of uh, acronym for it. For the no, it's actually the ZK is for, it, it is an acronym. It's zero knowledge, succinct, non-interactive argument of knowledge. So I could break okay. those down if you're interested in those terms, uh, each one. Yeah, definitely. If you would, please. Yeah. Okay. You know why uh, I have so, so little knowledge online about this? That, yeah, that'd be great for you to explain. Go ahead. Sure. Okay. Well, actually, while we're on that, um, there are a few good resources popping up for learning about zero knowledge technology. So our website, oh, Zcash, yeah, we have a, a blog series that's sort of explaining how to um, understand them from a mathematical basis, it's sort of like a seven-part series. And I've seen some others online. I know like Vitalik Buterin wrote some explainers. All of those are kind of uh, focusing on how they are constructed. So kind of like the mathematical basis. Okay. Well, can you go through the acronym and just step through it? You know, not in crazy detail, but you know, let me know the elements of it. Sure. So uh, ZK, zero knowledge, uh, that's a specific property. Like it's a pretty precise term. So it means um, if you validate a proof, then you know the statement it's associated with is true, but you don't learn anything else. Like you learn 
literally nothing else. So um, about the other parameters, the, the other input parameters. So let's say you have a parameter that's an address. You can't learn any bit of that address. You can't distinguish it from any other address. Or let's say you have an input parameter that's an amount of Zcash. You can't tell if it's larger or smaller than some value or anything like that. So the yeah, zero knowledge sort of means like there's no data leaking outside of just the statement being proved. So that's a pretty strong privacy okay. property. Definitely, yeah. Uh, succinct just means that the proof string is short, and that's actually a really important feature for ZK Snarks. Um, that's why we're able to fit them into transactions that go on a blockchain that can scale reasonably well. Non-interactive. Okay. So there's no uh, there's a cost to transferring data in large amounts, right? Right. So, so for example, uh, our proof strings are, I can't remember the exact byte amount, but it's under 300 bytes. Okay. But there's other, there, are, there are other kinds of zero-knowledge proving systems that might have proofs that are like, that would be, you know, hundreds of kilobytes for the same kind of transactions we're doing for Zcash. So that's sort of like a practical okay. scaling trade-off. That's great. All right. So moving, <laughs> moving past the S, now we're to non-interactive. That means that the computer creating the proof can just do it all up front and then spit out the proof string and post that anywhere. And then someone later can come along and find that proof string and verify it without having to interact with the original prover. Um, oh, okay. have, uh, yeah. By contrast, you can have like an interactive protocol where, like, say, I want to convince you that... Um, you know, I know some secret values that have some relationship, and you keep asking me different queries to sort of verify that I really know that over time. So there's sort of this back and forth relationship that doesn't work if you want a blockchain because you want the sender of the transaction to just post the transaction, and then they can just totally disappear. Their computer can blow up. They can quit blockchain. They can rage quit or whatever. <laughs> but later, somebody That's can great. come by that transaction and still verify that it's it's correct. Well, it's good forensically in both ways. One is that you don't need that original computer that set it up. And two, you know, the, like you said, the computer can disappear and not have to be subject to interrogation later. Right. So then the last part, the, let's see, TK snark, uh, ARK is argument of knowledge. Slightly technical. I, I'm not sure if I understand what knowledge means exactly here, but uh, I do know what argument means. So uh, argument means that the the guarantee about the, uh, the statement that's being proven is um, like a computational guarantee. So it is, okay. not, it is not like an absolute guarantee. So this means if you had a super strong computer that can factor 128-bit numbers easily or, or, or do things like that, or try 128, two to the 128 different um, trials of something with brute force, then they may be able to generate proof strings that would fool verifiers. So this is kind of in contrast to proof technically means that if you prove something, there's no way um, to prove something that's not true. You can't prove the negative, right? Right, right, right. But in this system, you you are not actually proving, they call it arguing. You are arguing very strongly that something is true. And as long as nobody has 
a computer that's like larger than the solar system or whatever, they can't violate that assumption. Hmm, okay. So, um, so in a typical Zcash transaction, what is known and what is obscured? You know, what can an outside observer see by looking at the blockchain? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Actually, I want to back up just a bit because um, there's this kind of can of worms with Zcash, and I really should bring it up when talking about the argument of knowledge part. So sure. I said an argument means you, to, in order to create a, a proof, or, sorry, a, a proof string that's acceptable, you either need a, you need to know valid inputs that are correct for the statement. So that would be like a, a, a true proof, a, a real proof, or you have to have a very strong supercomputer. Actually, Zcash has this other problem, which is like one of our Achilles heels, which is that there's something called a trusted setup. And if anyone were able to compromise the trusted setup, then they would be able to create invalid arguments. So they would be able to prove false things, um, even without a super unrealistic computer. This is like a big weakness in our system. Well, how hard would it be to do that? What's the likelihood of that happening? Um, so to do that, yeah, we could we could dive into this. This is kind of a big topic, but it's really important. The the zk snark system relies on a set of global parameters that everyone uses, and those are like constants. Like if you install the Zcash software, you have to download a big file that just has a bunch of these values in them. And when those values were created, if that process was compromised and someone was able to learn a secret value that was part of that creation, then they would be able to violate all of the, they would be able to create fake proofs. So if that did not happen during the initial parameter setup, there's no problem. If it did happen during the initial parameter setup, then there's this problem for the whole system moving forward. Do you guys see any evidence of uh, existing problems? Or, I mean, you can't prove that there's not. Again, proving yeah, negative. So, but. Right. This is, this is the problem. There's no way we can prove that it wasn't compromised. Actually, there is one way, which I can talk about. But first, let me describe kind of how we address this risk. So um, the scientists on our team developed a multi-party computation protocol. And then we executed it, and we called this the parameter ceremony or the Zcash ceremony. So this is a thing where we had six participants. We had like various kinds of operational security, like not all of... Actually, there's still one participant who is unknown. It's just a pseudonym. Before the ceremony, the participants didn't know who the other participants were. And we took all of these uh, operational security precautions. And then the result of this protocol that was developed is the guarantee it gives is that as long as any one of the six participants succeeded in doing their part without getting compromised, then the right. whole end result is not compromised. So it only takes one to succeed. Or another way to state that is if you wanted to compromise that ceremony, you would need to compromise all six participants. Hmm, okay. um, so you can see it like there, there's, you know, like, we have some videos about this. There's been various blog posts from the participants. And yeah, people can learn more about that if they would like. Uh, but it's still okay. fundamentally true that we can't prove that the compromise didn't happen, except there's one 
So, so first of all, if the compromise happened, what this would mean is you could create false proofs. So you would be able to say, I have some input coins worth this much, and I'm transferring them to someone else. Uh, if you're the, the bad guy who had compromised the parameters, right. you would be able to say that even if you didn't actually have the input coins. So you'd be able to create coins out of thin air, which is counterfeiting. But it's really important to point out because a lot of people kind of miss this in general discussion, none of the privacy properties would be violated. So if you have been using Zcash and then it turns out the whole thing got compromised, your past history would not be revealed by that compromise. And there's actually a technical choice when developing these privacy systems between protecting the privacy in the event of a kind of systemic collapse or protecting the soundness, like the uh, resistance against counterfeiting. And um, there's a similar privacy technology called confidential transactions. And interestingly, they made the other trade-off. So if their system had a catastrophic failure, the privacy would be compromised. So you would be able to see people's past history, but the soundness would not be compromised. So counterfeiting could not occur. So this is a really interesting difference between the two systems okay. and each side has its merits. And I think it's really important for users to understand which things were prioritized. So we prioritize privacy over all else. Who, who is the other system? Do they have a name? Oh, sorry. Uh, it's called Confidential Transactions. It's been developed, I think, by um, several people at Blockstream, including... Um, uh, Andy, I forget his last name, but his IRC nick is Andy Toshi, um, and Greg Maxwell and some others have been working on that. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, back to the uh, you know, to, again to a typical Zcash transaction. What can be seen? What can't be seen? Or you know, found by exploring the blocks. Okay. Yeah. This is a good question. This is also. Um, yeah, this is a <laughs> slightly tricky because uh, we decided to base our design off of Bitcoin and uh, support all of the standard Bitcoin transactions as kind of a, a trade-off for improving adoption and also for security because we knew the Bitcoin design. Bitcoin had been around like six years by the time we started Zcash. And so we had pretty good confidence that the code base was secure and the design was secure because the network was still functioning. So we right. decided consciously to preserve that and also like strategically to preserve all of the, as much as possible of the main standard Bitcoin transaction format so that most Bitcoin tools will work with Zcash easily. Um, but that means for all of the Bitcoin style transactions, there's no privacy. It's just like Bitcoin. Um, sorry, there is some privacy benefit compared to Bitcoin, which we could get into, but at, at a broad level, that that layer is just like Bitcoin. Uh, and then okay. we added these, these, what we call shielded transfers are embedded inside uh, our transactions. So if you look at the serialization of our transaction or like the C++ struct definition, it's exactly like a Bitcoin transaction, except it adds a new field that contains these shielded transfers. Um, so okay. this, so I think this has some benefits, you know, so we've been able to have better adoption because people can use Bitcoin tools. 
but it has some drawbacks, which is that it's kind of hard for users to know, like to reason about how privacy works um, because they have to know, is my transaction using like the Bitcoin stuff that doesn't have the strong privacy protections or is it using the shielded transfer stuff? Well, can they tell which one's being used? Or is yeah, that hidden? they can if, if they know what to look for. So um, the way that plays out for the user is that there's two kinds of addresses. Um, one we call transparent addresses or T address for short. And they are just like Bitcoin addresses, except the encoding begins with a lowercase t. So, for, so you can't confuse a T adder with a Bitcoin address. Um, but the cryptography is all the same and all of the consensus rules and, and protocol stuff, serialization is all the same um, for a T adder. Then there's this other thing we call a Z adder and uh, Z adder controls um, funds. And the only way to send funds is through a shielded transfer to that Z adder. Um, and so if you're sending from a T adder to a T adder, it's just like Bitcoin. You can see the, the sender address and the recipient address and the amount. If you're sending from a Z adder to a Z adder, that's what we call a fully shielded transaction. And so that's the strongest privacy available. And you can't see the sending address, the recipient address, or the amount transferred. Um, but then you can have these sort of hybrid transactions where somebody has a T adder and they want to send to a Z adder, or they have a Z adder and they want to send to a T adder. Um, and one way to help reason about the privacy of those is just to remember that a Z adder never appears on the blockchain. Like no one can ever discover what a Z adder is unless you tell them what your Z adder is. So they um, they can't learn it by like watching the network protocol or watching the blockchain. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Have you guys thought about um, what like what necessary enhancements are still needed? You know, have you thought about looking at Monero's code base and adopting things from there, or are there other uh, types of privacy elements in the works you guys have? Uh, yeah, we have. Uh, I haven't looked at Monero's code base too closely, um, but I'm kind of familiar with it just because it's a similar system um, with similar goals. And we have a bunch of different trade-offs, which is good for users because they can kind of choose uh, which is better for them for their use case. Um, one thing, Monero does several things I really like. One of them is that they don't have any um, non-private addresses or transfers. So it's easier for users to know, okay, if I'm using Monero, then I have privacy. That's good. Um, so I would like to get Zcash to that point over the long term. Um, but this is going to be a big process because it would involve uh, deprecating all of the Bitcoin stuff. Um, okay. So... There's no, by the way, I'm just bringing this up here. There's no like concrete plans or roadmap to do this. We've had some discussion on the dev team about doing that, but right now we're sort of focused on just improving the privacy um, technology for now and making it better and better. Right. And then at some point it will be good enough that we can say this can do anything Bitcoin can do except has very strong privacy. So now we can start to um, deprecate the Bitcoin, the transparent stuff. Um, All right. So let's, let, yeah, we're, I guess the last question I wanted to, to address, mm -hmm. I talked about it a little bit, but what do you see as the fundamental attacks on fungibility for any cryptocurrency, any crypto token? And um, does Zcash solve all of it, part of it? You know, what's left 
to be fixed to have true fungibility. I see. Yeah. So the first part of your question was um, what what will what problems will arise if there's not strong fungibility? Is that a way to rephrase it? No. What what's what's un, undone in the fungibility world? You know, crypto tokens right now are not 100% fungible. Bitcoin's not. What's what's oh, left yeah. to do to make a truly fungible uh, crypto token? Yeah, there's a there's a lot to do uh, if we're talking about the broad ecosystem because, um, like for example, if we want to talk about making Ethereum fungible but still having smart contracts, that's going to be a lot more complex than than what Zcash has right now. We don't have smart contracts, for example. Um, for Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin can potentially upgrade eventually someday to uh, to adopt better privacy technologies. Um, and there's a lot of options going on there. We kind of have a, I, I mean, our privacy we posit is the strongest kind, given that we have, you know, some of these trade-offs or flaws like um, the parameter setup is an issue. I think that's the main one. There's also like performance issues with our technology compared to some other privacy technologies. But we believe that the privacy properties itself are by far the strongest. So some of these other systems that claim to provide fungibility um, are kind of arguing that they do because it's too hard to unravel um, whatever kind of mixing or um, like, uh, yeah, whatever kind of privacy is is um, added as sort of, uh, how can I say this? So many of them use mixing and that means um, right. somebody observing the transaction details uh, cannot easily, like by the face of it, cannot narrow down um, what is being spent below a certain small number of options. So let's say that number is like 12 or something. Um, and then the argument is if each transaction does this, then it makes it really hard to analyze the transaction graph. Uh, but this is kind of an argument and not really a proof. Like it's not a zero knowledge proof, which is uh, something that Zcash has. It's an argument that it will be hard to analyze the transaction graph. And that's the same argument that was made with Bitcoin initially. Like in 2012, people were saying, you know, uh, you'll never be able to untangle this graph. Anyone can make new addresses, uh, you know, it, so it has privacy. But it turns out that's not true for Bitcoin. So I think with that kind of approach, there's sort of an arms race. So maybe the privacy technology can improve at, as it goes along and sort of outpace the analysis side of things, or maybe not. Mm -hmm. So the fungibility there is sort of less certain. Um, mm -hmm. But to be fair, with, with, with Zcash, we have strong fungibility. Um, so for example, if you send me one coin and then I send Alice one coin, there's no way in the protocol for Alice to link that coin to you. Um, she she can't tell from all previous coins which one it was. There's no probability that it's more likely it was you or less likely. And so that means every coin you receive, there's nothing you can distinguish about that coin other than its value. And that is fungibility. That's that's what you want. Um, right, exactly. You know, uh, so like, uh, where am I going with this? So 
But Zcash itself has its own challenges to work through. Like I was just describing how we have, um, you know, the Bitcoin-based transparent transactions. So whenever people are using that, they don't have fungibility unless they go back into the private space. Um, so for Zcash, the roadmap to have strong fungibility is to improve the private transfer logic until it can um, meet all of the same use cases that we get from the Bitcoin stuff, but still having strong privacy. So that's one of our goals for an upcoming protocol upgrade. Uh, we'll begin to add some programmability, some scriptability into the zero-knowledge space. Um, so you'll be able to have some kinds of smart contracts that are like fully private on the blockchain. And then okay. once we get there, we can deprecate the Bitcoin stuff. Uh, and I'm hoping that throughout the blockchain ecosystem, we see other privacy technologies adopted in other systems. And I'm also hoping we see more of the Zcash style zero knowledge proof stuff adopted so that there will be like multiple options. And over time, whichever one uh, is providing the best defense against like a non-fungibility degrade uh, scenario would, would emerge. Okay, so what um, what's the best way for listeners to get involved with Zcash to learn more about zk Snarks to get a wallet to you know start transacting tokens? Yeah, um, so there's a good site called Zcash Community, which is not run by the Zcash company. It has like good intro resources. Um, it can point users who are interested in mining to different like mining um, products or different wallets. Many of like most of the wallets we don't develop, um, so that's a good website to go to. They also have educational resources, and they host a chat system, and that's our main development chat system. Um, and that chat system has various rooms. So the main one is Zcash, which is just like the general user room where you can ask questions. Uh, if you want to learn about ZK Snarks, there's a room called um, Zcash Apprentices. Uh, and it's just sort of like a study room where you can show up and ask whatever questions you have. Any question is good. And there's a lot of people there interested in responding to those. We, there's a Zcash Foundation that's kind of just getting ramped up. So it just hired um, it just hired a program manager. Uh, so it's <laughs> it's been a while getting set up because it's all run so far by volunteers on the board who are really awesome folks, but they're all super busy. And so we've been making incremental progress on that, but now I'm looking forward to more progress being made there. And one thing that's going on there is a various kinds of working groups for people interested in different different things across the ecosystem that they want to focus on. So like one working group is focused on helping nonprofits accept Zcash donations. There's a working group to collaborate with miners and sort of like make sure the dev community and the user community is communicating well with them um, and knows what their concerns are, those kinds of things. And there's a bunch of other proposals for working groups. So those are okay. two ways to get involved. Zcash Foundation and the Zcash Community website. Well, great. Well, Nathan, thanks so much for taking the time. And I know it's a, it's a complicated stuff you guys are working on, and I appreciate you um, making these explanations to make it more accessible to people. Yeah, thanks. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. 
If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.